Hello and welcome to the Wildcard Rewind podcast. Our week 11 is in the books and I speak on behalf of every fantasy player out there. Guys, it's getting too close to the end now and we need to slow it down a little bit. But before we talk about that, let's play the music. I just want to rewind to when we were young It is Monday. We have the full crew back in the house. Uh, week 11 is done. Uh, I feel like the fantasy season is just flown by and we're at the point where we're like, what, six weeks off the end now and we all get to spend the whole off season pretending that we know everything and everyone's going to be the best again. So guys, how, how are you feeling about week 11 being done? Lewis, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, it was good fun. It was it was a fun week. The the early window especially was was really entertaining. Um, and then we were just talking about this before we got started. The Rams obviously won, which I was very excited by. But then we're not going to do anything this year, so I then wasn't very excited by it because I prefer to pick higher. You're in that weird stage of the season where I mean, especially for all three of our teams you kind of want them to stop winning now. And Paul, we knew this before the season with the Cards and the Rams. Uh, Hannah, I think you maybe thought you'd be in a slightly better position at this point. Very upsetting news. <laughs> Devastated. I really thought we were on a run. You know, we'd won, what was it, three or four in a row. I thought, right, I reckon we've got a chance to beat the Ravens here this week. And then what does he go and do? He tears a ligament in his wrist. Borrow, why would you do this to me? So, yeah, so I'm on Tankathon now. Come on, let's get a good pick and let's go again next year. Yeah, and as, as we were saying before we came on, um, we all think that that's a great idea, but our NFL teams completely disagree. As as I seen with the Cardinals uh, yesterday in the, the last the last couple of what the last 30 odd seconds of the game they're trying to win it and i'm thinking what what are we playing for here you know is it pride it probably is but ultimately i'd prefer to have the worst pick and i know we didn't win it you know as classic cardinal style we didn't actually win it um but it was just it was just like oh you know i i, I quite like the that number two pick and i can't see the panthers beating anyone ever again Oh yeah, you know they are so bad. They look so bad this week. So, um, but before before we get into sort of the news and everything, sorry, Lewis. Um, I just want to want to sort of say that this week is there is no buys. Um, weirdly, I'm guessing it's because of the Thanksgiving games and stuff like that that there's there's no buys. But be prepared because next week looks insane for buys. I think there's six teams on buy next week, and obviously. Just to touch on it a little bit, obviously because of the fact that next week is so big, it's a big week, we're at the last stage of the season and you're all pushing your playoff spots. Look now at players. If you need to pick up people on the waiver wire, do it this week and be that step ahead of everyone else because next week everyone will be searching the waiver wire for a stand-in player to cover somebody. Check your Check your team. For week 12, see how many players you're going to lose. See if you need that cover. And if you need that cover, get that jump on everyone and be and, and be on the ball this week. Um, yes, so has anyone else got anything to add to that, that week 12 strategy that I've come up with? I, I think now is a really good time that, like, you should know 
what your team's going to be looking like in terms of playoffs. And obviously, like Dynasty, you, you, you can be rebuilding or, or competing. Obviously, in redraft, you should be trying to compete regardless. But like, you should be looking towards playoffs now already. So having a look through different strength of schedules and having a look through like, okay, yeah, this player's on buy here. And then he comes back and he plays so-and-so bad team, the Panthers. Okay, that's someone I want to target. Just like really start to evaluate your team with the strengths and weaknesses and really start to look to waivers like don't be afraid to roster two defenses that match up well for the rest of playoff because you're not going to regret it if you get suddenly to you know week week 17 the final matchup your championship week and you've suddenly got a defense with an amazing matchup in front of you like start looking at different ways to get an advantage now as we head into the latter bit of the season yeah i love that anything to add to that anna um, for me, I would be now starting to look at uh, rostering players for which one injury or problem will mean that they will be fantasy relevant. Like, who cares if you roster Darius Slayton, who's going to give you five points a week? Like, he's not going to win you your championship. Like, you want to be getting Rico Dowdle or... Here's an example, Zach Charbonnet. Like now we hear that maybe Kenneth Walker's going to be out for a period of time. If you'd have picked him up already, probably for the peanuts, because everyone's got fed up of rostering him and him doing nothing, he's going to be in an immediate starter and probably running back to low end, you know, as a minimum probably. So they're the kind of players that I want to be. Obviously, you need to have your bye week cover. Of course, next week you're going to need players to play in. If I've got the space, then I'm going to be looking to try and roster those players rather than anyone else who's going to give me three, four, five fantasy points. I I have a really cursed dynasty team. And I say that it's in the one seed currently, but this season the team has lost Borrow, Daniel Jones, Mike Williams, Nick Chubb and J.K. Dobbins. Right. But I'm still in the one seed, so I'm doing really, really well. Uh, it also, it also just lost Mark Andrews, and I made a trade at about five o'clock on Sunday because I was thinking, you know, I, I need to get that out there and replace Borrow because I'm competing and I can I can make a deal. And obviously, also thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, if I make a deal now, I can have players for this week as well, even if I trade away Borrow. And uh, I traded away Joe Borrow and Jaden Reed for Dak Prescott. Dalton Schultz, which obviously helps with not having Mark Andrews, and Kenneth Walker. Oh, no. Basically, a good trade, right? But uh, basically, if there's a, a running back that I have on that team, sell them. Um, it's it's absolutely cursed. We need um, to did, find out this uh, roster stats. Hannah, did you notice his subtle brag, how he ne- mentioned he was the number one seed and then he had seed. all these injuries and he went, I'm still the number one seed. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got a fantasy. Like, I don't know. I can just, I can just pull it off, man. Like, <laughs> I'm um, not going to go but, too much further. <laughs> but, but no, but no speak, speaking of, of playoffs, I just want to add that my Scott Fishbowl team has um, decided that it wants to turn up too little too late i can't make the playoffs now or anything like that but my scott fishbowl team has decided the last couple of weeks it's going to go absolutely bonkers and score loads of points and be one of the top scorers in the league for the last like two or three weeks like you know what i mean so great you know (laughs) but but yeah so so moving on uh we have we have mentioned him a little bit um mark andrews is um out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury 
Uh, absolutely gutted for him. I'm gutted for the Ravens. I feel like he's a key part in that offense. Um, and they're having probably one of the better seasons that they've had in the last couple of years as well. So um, my question for you guys, uh, you both can, can answer it. Um, what do you do if you're the Andrews owner and you're currently targeting a playoff spot? So for me, people are immediately going to flock to Isaiah Likely, right? Especially when you have a, a really talented tight end behind the tight end one. Um, and I think last year, um, when Mark Andrews missed a couple of games, uh, Isaiah Likely performed really well. Uh, he had uh, 9.4 and then 18.3 PPR points in the two weeks. Um the big thing for me is tight end isn't really a position you can handcuff. Uh, that's only really the case for running back because it's not just as simple as next man up. Now, Isaiah likely is is a good player. He is perfectly talented. Um, but the difference between this year and last year is the Ravens have Odo Beckham Jr. The Ravens have, say, Flowers. The Ravens have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin. So it's not as simple as Isaiah likely stepping into the Mark Andrews role uh, and performing as he has. I think you I think you go and make a claim for him because I don't think you have a huge amount of, of choice if you've just lost Mark Andrews. But looking towards the waiver wire, a, a few players on there that I'm, I'm kind of interested in. I think you just have to stream. You have to play matchups. Um, Johnny Smith was only rostered in 32% of the leagues and he was he's like tight end 16 on the season. Um, he's actually performed better in stints with Desmond Rizzo, uh, who, who is coming back. Michael Mayer is coming on towards the end of the season. Uh, Kate Otten, who Hannah is your favourite player. Um, even someone like Tommy Tremble has scored three touchdowns this season, including one this week. Um, basically, the summary being like, I think you can, I think part of this learning could be to to go and make a waiver claim for Isaiah Likely, but basically, you need to just be praying for a touchdown. Uh, if you can get a touchdown from whoever, whichever tight end you start, that's fine. There'll be a low tight end one on the week, um, or go out and make a trade. If if someone has been rostering two of like that Schultz Engram type tier, um, then you can go and see if you can nab, uh, nab one of them. But to me, like I think you just have to hope that whoever you pick up scores a touchdown. I think I think that's quite the case with most touchdowns outside of the top maybe six. I think anyone from the six, maybe seven down, if they don't score a touchdown, they're having a crap week. Yeah. If they score a touchdown, they're top, you know, touching that sort of top six position, you know. So I think if you've lost Andrews, I think you are in that in that range now where you could flex. Uh, you could like wave a wire, pick up a lot of QB, uh, a lot of tight ends, and hope for it. Like like you said with Tommy Tremble, he scored a touchdown this week. It was a bit of a a shit touchdown, but he he got a touchdown. So all of a sudden, he's become a relevant tight end this week. You know. So, uh, any, anything you'd like to add, Hannah? Or no, I, mean, I don't think so. I think really it's about evaluating your roster, isn't it? And if basically Mike Andrews was carrying you then I think you're going to have to try and go make some sort of trade as best as you can. If you you think that you can manage, then, yeah, I would stream the position and I would try and um, do matchups every week. Who's got a favourable matchup? And just hope they're going to get a touchdown. Um, again, Titan Premium, I'd be looking to probably try and trade for someone, you know, if it has that much of a <clears throat> extra value. 
but yeah I think it's about evaluating your roster really and saying you know can I get away with streaming and if so then I would if I can't then yeah I'm gonna have to go and try and make a trade yeah completely agree um but while, while we're at you Hannah we'll uh, we'll move on to the the next player um who got injured this week and and that is uh Joe Burrow you know uh, he, he left the game early um Hannah how do you feel about this devoed let's forget fantasy are you okay (laughs) no not really i'm devoed you know look already i was quite anxious because we'd had a terrible start to the season with his calf and we were quite behind on the eight ball really like this if we'd have won last week and we'd beaten the texans i would have felt much better uh, but because we'd lost, this was a must-win game for us, really. And obviously, then he went out really quite early on. You know, we kind of had the game where we wanted it. The Ravens hadn't pulled away. They hadn't run off. We just scored that touchdown. It was like 7-10. So I think we could have made it a game. But obviously, as soon as he went out, you know, what can you do? Look, ultimately, I actually, in one way, I feel relieved because it's very stressful every week when they have to win. Oh, is it? Yeah, is it, is it, it must be awful for you every week having to win a game, you know? <laughs> welcome, welcome to my world where you have to lose a game every week. You know? But I mean, the thing the thing now is I'm like, actually, well, they're, they're going to lose. So it's much less stressful. I've, you know, I've been a Bengals fan for many years. We were rubbish. And so it was never stressful being a fan because you were like, oh, look, rubbish again. But... Whereas once they started winning and there's expectations, every week it was really stressful. I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Why are you playing rubbish? Getting very stressed now. Don't need to anymore. I'll get stressed when they win instead. Paul hasn't really experienced that aside from like a brief stretch uh, where, where the Cardinals went unbeaten and then absolutely fropped the rest of the season. But the Cardinals have probably been pretty crap for the majority of the time you supported the ball. Yeah. 100%, 100%. 100%. 100%. The first year I really got first year I really got into it and supported the team, uh, we made it to the divisional championship. And I was like, oh, this team's amazing. And I don't think we've ever been back since or even close. And in my time, we've had the number one pick. And, you know, we've we've just made some really, really awful decisions. So um I'm just I'm just looking at um the Bengals rest of the season so you've got the Steelers uh the Jags the Colts the Vikings the Steelers again and um the Chiefs week 17 um so yeah so so that game's gonna be rubbish now isn't it I mean that that was the epitome wasn't it that game yeah whoever has the ball last is gonna win sort of thing you know and now it's gonna be let's hope the Bengals get the ball you know so (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, to be fair, so there was a lot of discussion about the strength of schedule and how they're now playing all teams that were above 500. But actually, when you look at the teams, most of them haven't been playing that well. The Browns are like our Achilles heel. We just always lose to the Browns, always. We just can't seem to beat them at all. But I think had we had Burrow, I certainly think the two Steelers games, the Colts. I think, I um, think. I think you could genuinely still beat the Steelers. The Steelers are the best, shit, the best shittest team ever, because they are so bad, and somehow they get these results. Aren't they like six and four or something, or six and on the season? You're like, 
how? I know. Really you know they're going to get in the playoffs. Although now that the uh, Browns beat them last week, they might just, you know, eventually start to kind of fall apart and nudge out. But, you know, again, the Browns, I mean, I know why they're doing it because of their amazing defence. But, I mean, this offence is pretty without, well, with Watson and without Watson. You know, they're, they're kind of managing to piece it together and, you know, the, not fall apart. And the, the defence does the rest. Yeah, the Joe yeah. Flacco-led Browns, yeah. Yeah, well, it's going to be when they get when they go one and done in the playoffs. Joe Flacco should have been starting for the Jets this year, man. I, I love the fact that Joe Flacco is still relevant, that he keeps appearing. And he's like, oh, he signed <laughs> with them. Oh, he's going to make another start in the season, you know? He's going to go on and win a Super Bowl with the Browns now, isn't he? And then, and then start for them again next year. <laughs> And be yeah, the long term stars. So <laughs> It'll be so funny, but um, but yeah, guys. So um, last week we, uh, me and Hannah, you spoke about uh, we're sort of halfway through. Well, we're past halfway through now, and um, we are rapidly approaching the fantasy playoffs. So I'd like to take uh, a moment to reflect on the top fantasy performance of the season so far, and whether this reflects our off season thoughts and our expectations. Uh, last week we went through QBs and running backs, and this week we are going to go through wide receivers and tight ends and sort of have a quick discussion about them. So um, your top five wide receivers so far are uh, number five, AJ Brown, number four, Stefan Diggs, number three, CD Lamb, number two, Keenan Allen, and number one, Tyreek Hill himself. Uh, I'll just give you my thoughts to start with before we come to you. I'm thinking that's quite chalky, and I kind of think that's, you know, maybe Keenan Allen's a bit higher than I thought he might have been, but to me, they're five people that I kind of expected to see in the top five. What What's your guys' opinion on this? Yeah, I think... I think I... The interesting one to me is Keenan Allen more than anything else. Like, so I'm just went to take a look at uh, ADP coming into the year, um, and this so this ADP data is taken from quite late on. Uh, so it was after Cups, it, after Cup was already starting to be injured. So if you look here, Tyreek Hill was the wide receiver three, Diggs the wide receiver four, AJ Brown was the wide receiver five, CD Lamb was going as the wide receiver six. So there you go. Like that all makes sense. We were drafting them around the right place. Um, obviously, like JJ and Chase have struggled due to injuries, whether their own or whether to quarterbacks. Um, Keenan Allen was going as the wide receiver 21. Um, he was going behind Christian Watson. Um, that's the one to me. Screaming value. Yeah, that like, especially in redraft, but even in Dynasty, if you're competing, man, like that was one that he was. Keenan Allen was never going to finish at wide receiver 21. His, his floor was probably around wide receiver 10. Um, and it's really interesting because the um, Chargers offense is really struggling. I mean, the Chargers whole team is really struggling. Um, but like getting someone that you know has a really high floor, and especially with the injuries around him and the sheer incompetence of Quentin Johnston, like it kind of makes sense. The narrative was there that when you look at that ADP value, Keenan Allen was never going to finish that low. I don't think we saw him finishing as high as wide receiver two, partly because the touchdowns have been there this season in a way that they really haven't the last few years. Um, but he's the one there to me that, that really stands out. Yeah. Yeah. I com completely agree. Um, Hannah, go on. Yeah. I mean, look, I think wide receiver 21 is definitely a steal, but I can, I can also see, 
Because sometimes I like to sit back and see, like, why did we feel that Keenan Allen should have been wide receiver 21? And I can see why the narrative was there for him to not be a wide receiver one this season, you know. Um, you know, they drafted Quentin Johnston. Everyone got really excited and thought, oh, well, he's going to take a big piece of this offense. Mike Williams also is going to do something. In comes, you know, new offensive coordinator. Maybe he's going to scheme up more downfield things. Keenan Allen, you know, he, he's not a downfield threat. He's getting older. Maybe he's not going to be as much of the offense as before. So you can see why people would kind of you know make that narrative and make that decision but ultimately with hindsight you think that's completely ridiculous you know we know that Keenan Allen is a great receiver and ultimately you know they're playing to his strengths and it's worked and he's now literally the whole offense pretty much and still he's producing like it's really impressive what he's doing because they can basically put a million people on him and you know the Chargers won't be able to do anything um, but he's still producing for fantasy, which I think is, you know, he's way, done way better than even, you know, even if we said this is could be his ceiling, like you said, Lewis, I think we wouldn't have put him as wide receiver too. Yeah, his, his target share, just having a quick look, I'm pretty confident he's got more than the other, to try and do some quick maths in my head, and I'm not that good at maths, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's got more targets than the other uh three main wide receivers combined he's had 97 targets and the next highest um targeted wide receiver on the charges is joshua palmer on 39 um so like i think there is a question that like when you have that many targets that's how you're gonna make things happen um if i just have a look like yeah he's near he's got over he's got about a 30 percent target share from justin herbert like that's how he's gonna have success because he's never gonna be an explosive player and he's like 31 and a slot receiver the touchdowns coming in and then just having this crazy volume is what's gonna make him explode in the way he has but uh, but also i think that crazy volume has come to him because like hannah said you know they drafted quinton johnson in round one you know big big star wide receiver in the first round of the draft um, Mike Williams going out injured, you know, then Quinton Johnson is actually not as good as everyone thinks he is. And I think, you know, Austin Eckler missing time. I think he missed four or five games this season, hasn't he, due to injury stuff. Keenan Allen is the last one there. You know, he is he is your next he you know, if, if you're missing all of these players, he's your he's your big guy. He's the one that you're gonna keep throwing to the ball to. And obviously Justin Herbert trusts him. You know, it's you look at most QBs, they've got they've got their safety blanket, that player that they can trust on on big plays and to get that ball to. And I think Keenan Allen is obviously Justin Herbert's guy in the sense of he's his safety blanket, you know? He's yeah. his he's his get out of jail free card. So now I know we're talking about wide receivers, but just really quickly, Austin Eckler. Do you think this is his last season as a running back or being drafted as a running back one? Yes. Do you think he'll be able to perform as a running back one again, or do you think that's it now? Do you know what? Do you know what? Go on, you, you, Lewis, you answer this, and I'm going to find out how well he's doing since he's been back. He is very touchdown dependent, is, is I think the answer. He just looks so much slower. There was there was a play against the um against the Packers where he just looked like he had no juice to him at all. 
and I just think, like, I mean, he's he's really getting on now, even though he's got slightly less um, carries in his legs because he was a UDFA and didn't play for a couple of years, really. But I think the Chargers need to look at a, a, a real other running back option, even if he still stays as, like, the passing down specialist and he still can, you know, maintain RB2 volume. He might end up being a little bit of a value next year if he's going around kind of the third, fourth round. Um, but, yeah, I think his days is kind of a... a, a a top running back option behind him. I, th- I think it, with what you just said there, Lewis, I think if I could get Austin Eckler, so I, I'm looking at his numbers now and I'll get to them in a sec, but I think if I could go wide, like QB, QB, wide receiver, wide receiver, and then get Austin Eckler there, I feel like that's a bit of a smash play in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm, look- I'm looking here. So he obviously, he played the first game, he missed the next four due to injury, and then had a bye week in week five. So since week six to eleven, he's—I know he's not paying back that value, but he's actually running back eleven since okay. he's been back from his bye week. So actually, them numbers are not that bad. If you take out this week, he goes from running back eleven to running back eight. So going into this week, he was running back eight for for the weeks that he was playing there. You know, so I still think he's got some kind of relevance, and I think people will. The, you know, obviously, as a fantasy community, we always look back at the season before and go, oh, he finished as running back, I don't know, 19 on the season. I'm not going to take him in the first couple of rounds. Now, if if he does drop to me, if I could, like I said, in a super flex draft, if I can go QB, QB, wide receiver, wide receiver, he's definitely somebody. If I if I if if he's there for me in the fifth round, he's somebody that I'd go, you know what? kind of like that value because I know what yeah. he can do and if he's still with the Chargers offense we know what he can do in that team and we know that they will use him I do think how he finishes the season so like how he plays and performs in the fantasy playoffs will dictate where he is taken in uh, drafts next 100%. season 100% yeah. it, it will be it will be interesting um, but yeah, let's 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 move on from Austin Eckler, the running back, while we were doing the wide receivers, you know. I, just and we'll, to... <laughs> <laughs> um, I will talk about the tight ends. Um, so, tight end five, Sam Laporta. Tight end four, Mark Andrews. Tight end three, George Kittle. Uh, tight end two, Travis Kelsey. And tight end one on the season is T.J. Hawkinson. Um, uh, what I will say about this one is take Sam Laporta out of it because nobody knew he was going to be that good. If you put them four names as the first four, I think a lot of people would have said, yeah, in some sort of order, them four are the names that you kind of expect to be up there or thereabouts. Um, but let's let's talk about Sam Laporta and how well he's done this year. Go on, Hannah, I'll let you go first this time. Or is there another running back you want to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I do think that Sam Laporte has done absolutely fantastically, hasn't he? And it's one of those, isn't it, where is he a kind of outlier? You know, I think now what hap- will happen is people go, oh, Sam Laporte, look how good he was as a rookie. And then they'll draft all rookie titans high thinking that this is the new standard which i don't think necessarily it is because sam laporta is yes Dalton kincaid is doing pretty well now that you know Knox is not in the picture but 
Laporta is kind of the only guy really that has produced reliably from the get-go, uh, you know, as a rookie. Everyone else is is taking time. Um, and so I think people will jump on him and be like, right, yeah, things are changing. Rookie tight ends can perform now, you know, and so they're going to start drafting them higher than I think necessarily they should be taken. What I'm a little bit surprised about is that Travis Kelsey is just not the runaway number one, like we've seen every other year. You know, he is right in the... Actually, I'm just having a nosy here. So obviously he hasn't played yet this week, <clears throat> but currently TJ Hawkinson has 170 PPR points on the season and Travis Kelsey has 140 PPR points. George Kittle not far behind, 138. Mark Andrews, 135. Like he's right there in that mix, whereas historically... You, you, you watch Travis Kelsey go out and score 35 points tonight and be tired probably, by the end of tonight. Probably, but I mean, <laughs> but like historically he's been like way <clears throat> out front, you know, like can't even see anyone behind him. You yeah. know, he's been the tight end one without question and that has just not been the case this season and people have been drafting him really highly compared to everyone else like Travis Kelsey again I, I haven't got ADP data in front of me I don't know if you still have it in front of you Lewis but yeah. he will have gone in round one or two this season where did TJ Hawkinson go so he was Travis Kelsey was being drafted at fifth overall um TJ Hawkinson was being drafted at 46th overall so that's so, what like, midway through the fourth so look at what you have paid for him and what you're getting from him. You're actually, you've, you've paid a, a lot of capital to get Travis Kelton. He's actually not giving you any kind of positional advantage like you thought he would. Do, do you know what? To, to continue with that, one thing that always got me with Travis Kelsey is you could always... You know, every year he finishes as a tight end one, and you always go, oh, but if he was a wide receiver, he'd be wide receiver four or something like that. So you kind of felt like it was a bit like a cheat code because you were getting a, a top five wide receiver in the tight end position and everything like this. And I've just had a look now. If he was in the tight end position, he'd currently be sat as wide receiver 17. With, a, with You said 140 points, didn't you? Uh yeah, hundred and forty points. Yes, hundred and forty points. That's wide wide receiver seventeen so far. So you know what I mean. I don't. You know, last year I think when he finishes tight end one, you were like, oh, if you'd have put his finishes in the wide receiver column, he'd be wide receiver four. Whereas now I feel like you are. And look at looking at some of the wide receivers that are up there as as the top guys um in in the PPR. Like you look at somebody like Tyreek Hill. He's on. 254 points. You've got uh, Keenan Allen, 232 points. You've got CD Lamb, 214 points. He's, and you can start on all of these guys. Well, you know what I mean? Crucially, if you just look at ADP, Travis Kelsey was going at the 105 and Tyreek Hill, uh, Tyreek Hills was the 106. Like yeah. you actively in most leagues took Cal, took Kelsey over Hill. Like, that and there's a hundred and there's a hundred and fourteen points difference between them. Yeah, you know, mate. So go. Let, let's go with your Austin Eckler thing. Do you think this is the last season that you draft him as a as a running back? What do you think? Maybe Travis Kelsey's value is not is going to be one of the lowest to drop in a sense of you're not going to take him round one, round two, and maybe push it back to like round three. I. 
quite confidently would say that he'll still be going at the back around one next year, um, regardless where he finishes. I, th- I think we need to see a huge drop off from him before people start to really, you know, take him later. Although it has Where been... would you take him? I would probably take him with the first pick of the second round. So you're saying 201. Who yeah. just just with your ADP machine that's in front of you, tell me who was 201, 202, 203. Uh so that would have been the AJ Brown Derek Henry and Josh Jacobs. Hang on, so AJ Brown, obviously. AJ Brown, Derek Henry, and Josh Jacobs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd take him over probably all three of them. To be fair, not AJ Brown. Not AJ Brown. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. AJ Brown. Yeah, I suppose AJ Brown's outscoring him at the moment. But Derek Henry and Josh Jacobs, I would not take over Travis Kelsey. But but I think I'd be quite happy taking taking Kelsey still as the tight end one next year. Like I'm I'm just not taking Hawk over him. And Kelsey has missed a game. I think I think I'd be quite happy taking him. Uh, the reason I specifically went for two hundred one is because I'm like, I think that the advantage, the, the disadvantage you sit at when your first pick is a tight end, when you're missing out on a top wide receiver or a top running back. But if you've already, if you've gone out and got another one, if you've gone out and got a positional player, then I can justify doing it um, because it should still see the same amount of difference. And and Kelsey, I think, will still be elite for a good few years um and it says everything you need to know about him that like him being at the tight end two is enough for us to be saying is it over for him like do we you know is it is this the end for kelsey that's how elite he's been the last few years yeah agreed agreed um is there is there anyone quickly anyone else on this list you want to you want to talk about or are we good just very, very quickly, a really interesting thing to me is that TJ Hawkinson has not dropped off since Kirk Cousins went out in week eight, the last three weeks. This is That's because he's I, got the dominator. He's got the, the pastronaut. But like, I was worried about him. I have, I have a, a, a couple of teams with him in that are doing really well. And I was worried about TJ Hawkinson, but he's had 17.4 points, 35.9 points, 11.5 points. Like, it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to matter to him that, that Kirk's out. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. On, just Hannah. really quickly, I just think that Josh Kittle is always an interesting conversation because what often we do is we look at the end of the season and go, "Oh look, Josh Kittle tied three on the season. Didn't he do great?" Um, but ultimately, he still has that boom bust profile, and people forget that. And again, if you're drafting him in best, best ball, great. You know, enjoy the kind of you know volatility of him but people draft him highly in redraft and then get upset because he's not performing every week so I think again this is one where you go yeah we knew that Kittle was always elite and yes when he gets the ball he is elite but this season he has had one two three four uh, games where he wasn't even a Titan two he was at 26, 31st, 44th, and tight end 50. Like, he's that bad. You know, you know what? I'm just looking at his numbers now. And he went uh, 4.9, 6, 16, 1.9, 27.7, 1.1, 13.23.9, bye. And then he's the back, The last two weeks have been 20 and 20, to be fair. Yeah. So. He's we've played 10 games, he's had four games under 10 points and four games over 20. Like, yeah. it's not 
he, he'll win you a week, he's, but he'll lose you one as well. He's like a very good version of MVS, isn't he? You know, <laughs> and he I, if he's going to explode, he's going to do it well. You know, like I would much rather have somebody reliable in a redraft league who's going to score me maybe fewer points than having Kittle, just because I don't like the volatility. Like I don't want you to lose me weeks. Like I love it when you win me weeks, but it's really irritating. Yeah, weeks. even if overall actually you're a net positive for me like it's just too infuriating when I'm sitting there with a loss because Josh Kittle's got one point you know when I could so have got someone we... else out of a different position that's going to give me less volatility and probably uh, meant I would have won that week Week five, he was going to win you it with 27.7 but week six he's lost you the week because he's only put up 1.1 and again, if he performs in the playoffs, people are just going to go back straight back on the bandwagon and, you know, be drafting him in round three or whatever. But, you know, he's always going to be volatile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, happy days. We've we've spoke about all, all the positions now. And we're going to move on to our next segment, which is uh, Rewind the Tape. Uh, in this segment, we're going to be discussing things that we've learned from the previous week that have helped us as fantasy managers. Um, Lewis, let's, let's start with you. I think a big thing to me is that we are now at the stage of the season where you have a big enough sample size to have the evidence of what's in front of you, and that is whether teams are good or bad. Um, and I think it's really easy to go back to preseason expectations a lot of the time. So take, for example, the Chargers and the Texans. The Chargers, you know, is this going to be their year? They brought in Callum Moore. They brought in this new exciting wide receiver. Um, and they suck. They're on the same record as the Rams. And the Rams are also bad. The Texans, we looked at and went, you know, this is a developing team. We don't know, quite know what CJ Stroud is. And the Texans look absolutely fantastic. I think you just have to, at this point, use the evidence of your eyes and not try and think about you know the reputation of a team or the preseason expectations of a team and make sure that you're actually reacting to things in a way that's in front of you like if a player has busted don't still be starting them as if you know okay well I did draft him as my running back one so I probably still got to start Derek Henry you actually don't he's actually been quite bad this year like look for some other options like use the evidence of uh, of yeah the the history of the last 10 weeks uh, and, and and see what's in front of you I love that. And the Texans, I, I just enjoy watching the Texans play. Yeah. I think they're just really exciting to watch. And I, and I don't know if it's because we all love an underdog story and they came into this and they were like, oh, they're going to be garbage. As a Cardinals fan, I was like, oh, I'm so glad we got their pick next year. They're going to be crap. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but it's just so nice to see them actually going out and playing some really amazing football. And I'm a big fan of Tank Dell. Big fan yeah. of Tank Dell. I didn't realise how big of a fan I am of Tank Dell, but I'm literally like, I love that guy. I love that guy, to be fair. Um, yeah. Hannah, what, what have you learned this week? Well, I mean, it, it was another week full of injuries and I think like really quite high profile injuries this week. So, you know, I learned that injuries can turn your season around literally on a dime. You know, like Lewis said, his team, which just lost Burrow and Mark Andrews. Still number uh, one seed, though, yeah? Well, Still the one seed. So he'll win, so it doesn't really matter to him. <laughs> but to most other normal uh, players, you know, it, it's going to massively change your whole season. Um, you know, and I think this is where you really realise how important depth on your bench is. And I think sometimes people go, oh, I'm the one seed, I'm doing great. I don't need to worry about waivers. Pfft. 
you know, all my, all my players are great, but before you know it, two have gone down. And then you look at your bench and you're like, oh, this is a really shoddy bench that, you know, is not going to give me anything. And you've missed most of the waivers from early in the season where you could have picked up Puka Nakua, um, you know, anybody really. I'm trying to think of some other really great smashes. Tank Dell, um, you know, you could have picked up any of these guys or some of the running backs we've been discussing. Um, you know, Singletree has done great the last few weeks. Yeah, been, you know, yeah. if, you, if you've missed picking up these players, then you're going to be in trouble when you these injuries hit. So always keep an eye on waivers, even if your team is doing really well. Yeah, I think that's something I've learned with Redraft over the last couple of years. You, If you want to win a league, you have to constantly be active, constantly, yeah. con always active and reacting to everything and moving everything and moving pieces and stuff like that and always, always being aware. Because I do often think, and I think sometimes people get judged for doing this, like picking up players because they might be something. And I think a lot of people sometimes say, oh, this person spent a fortune on it. And I don't advocate for spending all of your fab on a random player that might not do anything. But I do advocate for picking them up and just seeing what they're going to be. You know, if you can spend $2 on them. And so what if they're nothing? Like, yeah. if they're nothing, you just drop them next week for someone else. If they're something, you've got them and you can use them. Yeah. Also, like kind of like what we mentioned at the start, trying to be that step ahead, isn't it? You know, so using that waiver wave to your ability, you may pick up. I'm trying to think of, let's say, uh, sponsor of the show, Raheem Shahid, to say he's available on on uh, waivers. You go pick him up this week, and then obviously he has a, a great week, and then people are like, "Oh, I need a cover at wide receiver. Maybe I'll go for Raheem Shahid." Oh, hang on, he was picked up last week by Hannah. You know, and it's like. Ah, crap what else have i got out there and then you end up going oh i'll pick up you know terrace marshall jr you know and you're just massively disappointed because he's not half as good as raheed shaheed you know <laughs> but but yeah so i'll move <laughs> on to um to to uh my thing i was going to mention this last week hannah but we spoke so much um that we were running out of time so i've, I've saved it for this week um now, now it's kind of like following on from what you were saying at the start of the show, Lewis, when we were talking about uh, playoffs and stuff like that. Um, I'm looking at this as now the time where I'm trying to get a jump on things. I'm trying to look ahead at playoff matchups and what games I will be targeting. For example, um, the Eagles in week 15, 16 to 17 play the Seahawks, the Giants and the Cardinals. Now, in my opinion, they're three favourable matchups for the Eagles. And um, another team that I wanted to mention, but obviously I put this in last week before. I've um, just realised now, you. this is your fault, Paul. Don't blame me. I didn't hurt Burrow, okay? You I did. didn't hurt Burrow. It's your fault. You know <laughs> that the Bengals have these favourable matchups, and now look what's happened. So I, I put the Bengals play the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Chiefs. <laughs> Um, so what I'm going to do is because I'm so good at working on my feet and thinking out, you know, thinking quite quickly. So now you target the teams playing the Bengals because they're going to always have the ball because they're just going to throw interceptions. Okay. So target Vikings, Steelers, and Chiefs players. Um, uh, another way to look at it is uh, the weak teams. So the Giants concede a lot of points. So also I'd look at somebody like Saints or the Rams. Um, because they can they can quite easily so you sort of get the gist of what i'm saying here look look at 
who's playing week 15, 16, 17. If you are a playoff team, now's your time to maybe look at trying to get players that have favourable matchups in week 15, 16, 17. So, anyone want to add anything to that? No. No. I think it's it's a really smart point. Happy days. Happy days. So, we shall move on to our fantasy stud of the week. Um, Quick little uh, look ahead, and um, we all nailed this, just saying. Um, So, let's have a look at uh, what we did last week, I went for Logan Thomas, who had five receptions for 58 yards and is currently sat at tight end 12. This is before the Monday night game. Uh, Lewis, you went for Romeo Dobbs, who managed five receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown, finishing his wide receiver 16. Nice and work. Hannah, you went for Rashi Rice, who hasn't played yet, but I've just predicted no. he had 15 receptions, 212 yards, three touchdowns, and his wide receiver one. Um, but we can't really judge you on your pick because... No, I realised after last week that I was like, oh, that was a bad choice because they've not played yet. But, yeah, I think he's going to be a real stud, so well yeah, done. Yeah, he, he could win me a couple of matchups, you know, so... Yeah, I got um, this right. So let's see how well we could do this week. Um, Lewis, go on. I, I am really interested in the Rams-Cardinals matchup this week. Uh, both teams. I wouldn't be made of them. <laughs> so I remember a few weeks ago we spoke about the fact that you can actually target matchups between bad teams. I think it was a Bron- after the Broncos Bears games, and the Cardinals are the twelfth worst team against the wide receiver position. Matt Stafford looked much healthier um, and looked, you know, kind of back with it against the against the Seahawks. Um, I'm intrigued with Cup at least shaken up um, for Tutu Atwell this week. Um, last week, uh, he didn't have a great performance, but he had one quite bad drop, which would have been quite a huge gain, and then also had two DPIs called against him. So if you if you factor those in potentially, um, it's, it's a pretty huge week. We have nothing else, really, at the wide receiver position. Ben Skoranek, Austin Trammell sees a fair amount of, of snaps, Demarcus Robinson. Um, so behind Puka, I think, uh, you know, Puka's going to get, you know, 15 targets if Cup's out. Um but I'm not putting him as the the under the radar star. We've spoken quite a lot about Puka by this point. I think Titi Whitewell could be interesting, um, and he's gonna be you know available on waivers all across the place. I think if you're, if you're you know shaken up by the most recent injuries, even if you just lost Cup, uh, although we don't know yet whether or not he's gonna be missing time, I think if he's if, if Cup is at least if he misses or if he's at least shaken up, I think Titi could potentially have a have quite a big week. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, I think the yeah. Cardinals are going to absolutely hammer you. You know. Um, when was the last time you absolutely hammered a team? Um, <laughs> about five years ago. No, no. Yeah. When did you go? Whatever it was, eleven and zero, and then collapse that year. Oh, that yeah. was our Super Bowl year, wasn't it? I think yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we're going to hammer you this week. I think Kyler Murray's going to rush for two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't even convince myself of that. Um, go on, Hannah. Go on, Hannah. Who's your fantasy stud of the week? So I'm going to say Josh Downs of the Indianapolis Colts. They're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, who have been ridiculously good against the run, but 
pretty bad against uh, basically anybody throwing on them. They allow the fourth most points to the wide receiver position so far this season. They also lost their two starting cornerbacks and Levante David in last week's game due to injuries. Again, they may be something and nothing, but there's a chance that there's backups in there as well. Josh Downs really has started to get a chemistry, you know, with Gardner Minshew. So I could see Josh Downs doing pretty well this week. I know he was injured just before the bye, but they've had the bye now. So I would hope that he's a bit healthier and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I, I really like this pick. I really like this pick, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone for, I've targeted... Um, uh, favorable matchup and I've and I've gone for Jaden Reed who actually had um a fairly decent week this week and my phone won't unlock I was about to read it to you but my phone has decided that it doesn't want to unlock um yeah so J- Jaden Reed this week managed um four receptions 46 yards and he also rushed the ball three times for 46 yards and a touchdown and this week they're playing against the Detroit Lions. And as we all know, the Detroit Lions um, always like to put up plenty of points. Um, so this one could be a bit of a... I think Jordan Love's going to have to keep earing it out to his wide receivers to try and stay in this game. So I think I fancy a bit of uh, Jaden Reed. So, uh, yeah, so there are our fantasy studs. Let's get to our fantasy scares. Um, a quick little look back at last week where we all absolutely nailed this, even though we picked some of the best players in the NFL as our skiers. Uh I went for Rashad White, and I probably had the worst day out of all three of us. Um, White had 30 rushing yards and a touchdown and six receptions for 28 yards. He's managed to be our... Uh, RB13 on the week, obviously he's scored six points just from his receptions and then six points from his touchdowns. So I'd say I didn't do as well as you two. Hannah, you went for Jamar Chase, who only managed two receptions for 12 yards of a touchdown, finishing as wide receiver 39. It's like I knew um, the Burrow was going to get injured, isn't it? Yeah, and you tried to blame me, you know? Um, just super, super quick, though, uh, on Jamar. If you have him on your team... Would you start him this week? Yeah. Or and is that because you that of where you drafted him, or because you think that he ultimately will get the ball because he's the stud on the team? I think he'll still get fed regardless of how terrible the quarterback is. I think he's talented enough to do enough after the catch as well. Like I, I think I'd have to have a lot of depth on the team to not play him. I think if you bench him this week. And it works. I think you would be one of the smartest brains in fantasy football because something I've always known about fantasy football is you always start your studs. Now, as we've seen, it doesn't matter what QB you've got. Sometimes I know Garrett Wilson is just defying all all of that completely because his QBs just obviously don't want to throw him the ball. But you know, I think Jamar Chase is okay. It doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. He's the type of player that if you put it within his region, he's probably going to come down with the ball. And he's a, he's a fine play. I think if you bench Jamar Chase this week and win your lineup and he only scores three points, I think you're very, very brave. Yeah. Very brave. 
<clears throat> I do think it's an interesting thing though, isn't it? Because I yes, I totally agree that you should start your studs because ultimately they have the talent that they, you know, they could go off at any time. But sometimes I do think we do that to our detriment, even though we think, oh, you know, this is a bad matchup. Maybe I should sit them. Now I think the problem is we don't know when those down weeks are going to be, do we? Sometimes they'll have a bad matchup and they'll do amazing. Sometimes they'll have a fantastic matchup and do terrible. And you just don't quite know, you know, if, if a stud is not going to hit when that's going to be the case. But I do think that if we could somehow manage to kind of figure that out, then, you know, this always start your studs business. You know, I get it because they're talented, but sometimes I think it's to our detriment that we, oh, you know. Okay, okay. So what I will say quickly, so most leagues start two wide receivers, yeah? Can you name 24 other wide receivers that you'd start before Jamar Chase this week? I think I think you could name 12, maybe 15, but you're at the point then where you're going, Ooh, would I would I start Christian Watson before Jamar Chase? Well, I don't know, you know, so I think no, I, mean, I, 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 to, I do totally get it, but I, I definitely think that there's there's an edge to be had if you can figure out when a study's not going to perform. I think the problem is we, we don't. If, but... if you can figure that out, you're going to win everything. It's why, it's, it's why we've got a whole section based around it. Yeah. But um, we never we never did get it right. Although this we did week, this week. Well. <laughs> um, but yeah, quick quickly because the time's ticking away know, and Hannah, sorry, Hannah loves sorry. to go off off on a off on a tandem. I just wanted to um, ask because we've not mentioned it, Burrow's injury, blah 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 blah. Carry on. Uh Lewis yeah, went for Stefan Diggs, who me and Hannah were both shocked at last week, but he obviously he proved right. us right. Uh he, he went for four receptions for 27 yards. He's currently wide receiver seen... 50. Is in the number one seed. I'm smart. I'm a smart little um, guy. So quickly, uh, Hannah, who's your scare of the week? Well, I've been a bit naughty here because I've basically gone for the other side of the coin. Um, they're playing Tampa Bay. They're good against the run. I've gone for Jonathan Taylor. Can't argue with it. Can't argue with it, you know. Um, Lewis, who is your fancy scare of the week? I'm not going to talk through it too much because we kind of did all it earlier. Um, but Austin Eckler uh, playing against the Ravens, who were good against the running back. Um, he saw his lowest touch total of the season last week. Um, it's really been a season to forget to him uh, for him. I love it. I love it. Uh, my start of the uh, my scare of the week is uh, all Bengals players. No, I'm only joking, Hannah. <laughs> um, my scare of the week this week is Saquon Barkley, as we've known from the history. Uh, Bill Belichick likes to stop um, the main or the key role in any offence that he plays against, and Saquon Barkley is everything in that offence. And I think if he can stop them, he can he can beat them. So my scare of the week is Saquon Barkley. Um, right, so we'll get on to the wild card of the week. Uh, these are our hot takes. I said Miami would be so far ahead that they'd bench Tua uh, in the fourth. Uh, they got the W, but they made hard work of it. So there was no way they were going to bench him. Lewis said the Panthers were going to beat the Cowboys. Uh, Lewis, you're a fool. I can't see the Panthers beating anyone at the moment. Um, <laughs> Hannah said CeeDee Lamb was going to have more receiving yards than all of the Panthers' wide receivers. Um, CeeDee only managed 38 yards. And superstar Adam Thielen managed 70 yards on his own. So... Um, 
let's see what we're thinking could ring true this week. And I've decided we're going to go for a Thanksgiving special. So only the Thursday night games, please. Hannah, no, Lewis, start us off. Uh, I have said that the Seahawks score less than 11 points against the 49ers. Uh, Gino is obviously a little bit shaken up. Uh, the 49ers' defense is amazing. Uh, the Seahawks are bad. I hope you're wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, let's go to you. So, the opposite of mine. Yes, because I'm going to say that the Packers beat the Lions this week. The Lions were a bit shaky. Um, in week 11, they only just managed the win against the Bears. So I'm going to say the Packers, you know, they, they, they did a bit better this week. They got the W. I'm going to say they beat the Lions. Uh, okay. Um, I'm happy for the Packers to beat the Lions, but I'm going to say that both David Montgomery and Jamar Gibbs, or Jameer Gibbs, however you pronounce his name properly, are both going to score a touchdown, which they both did this week. Um, Quick shout out to Mags, who um, on his hot seat show said start both of them because he thinks they're both going to be fantasy relevant. He was right. Um, but yeah, so uh, with that, that brings us to the end of the show. Guys, amazing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on x at wildcard rewind or head over to the youtube channel and search for the fantasy wildcard podcast network be sure to give us a subscribe while you're there and tune in next week where we will rewind week 12. <laughs>